listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Fans here are in awe here in Philadelphia. But look at Darby now. Oh, God. The dawning of a new age could be upon us as Darby Allen looks to be the champion. Jericho's mystified. He covers. He on the cover. Cover. Oh. Big time two count. Another near fall. Quite the predicament created by a man whose hands are tied behind his back. Regardless of what happens here tonight, it's coming of age for Darby Allen at four years into this sport. My God. episode of the elitist cinema geeklies aew podcast it is anthony lewis and nick montez and we are back talking aew dynamite on tnt in and is episode number three but before we talk about episode three uh let's talk about this uh this new phenomenon they've created for themselves aew dark it's doing pretty good uh viewership wise on the old inner tubes but uh a lot of hype going into this particular one uh, that I saw, anyway, uh, because of a, a big match they did on uh, on Dark, which, by the way, I think is released or aired or whatever on YouTube Tuesdays at seven. I think so. That's about right. Yeah, if you're really uh, if you're really in for like another two hours of wrestling, there's like the NWA Power thing that's on YouTube at six. And then AEW Dark is on at 7. So uh, I, I think, as discussed before, the NWA show is not my speed. But, uh, you know, if other people enjoy it, good for them. Uh, but it's not my thing. Uh, I thought this this week's Dark was interesting. Uh, they did uh, a Peter Avalon, Sunny Kiss, Kip Sabian triple threat. Uh, it's a match in which Kip Sabian got injured. He actually screwed up a, a finger, I think. I don't know if he dislocated it or fractured it or broke it or something, but he got injured in this match. I don't did you did you watch every match or did you just watch the last one? I just watched the last one. Yeah, I kinda felt that it was all about that main this week. Yeah. Uh I thought the three way was pretty good, but there were two at two points very noticeable edits that were like really jarring and took me out of the match. I don't even what know what they, they I don't even know what they edited away. Uh I, I was watching it on YouTube, so I had headphones on. Um but one of them is right after Kip hurts himself and I think the doctor is coming to check on him. And you can tell it's an edit not just because of the video cut uh 
because people were in a different location than they were in the previous shot. But also the first one was more jarring because you could actually hear JR begin to say something and his voice trails off. Like they inner cut audio, like they just, you know, interspersed it with one another and they didn't realize that part of JR's commentary made it into it. So that one was pretty obvious. And then there was a, another one uh, that was just as jarring. It, like, it's hard to say. I don't remember what they are exactly, it, but they're things that you would notice if you're paying really close attention uh, to the match. Like, Sunny Kiss gets rammed into the turnbuckle, and then they cut, and then he's, like, running at them. Uh, <laughs> but, like, it didn't look like that's what happened live. It looks like they cut something. It, I don't know. It, was, it wasn't good. Uh, they'll have to take a closer look at that. They had a... Uh, Another eight-man tag. They seem to be doing a lot of these. Uh, Shima and SCU against... Uh, who are they facing? Uh, the Hybrid 2 and the Dark Order. And uh, poor Super Smash Brothers. They just... I don't know what it is about this gimmick. They just sucked the life out of this crowd. Uh, they didn't have much energy. And uh, they worked really hard. Uh, hybrid 2 won... But, you know, it was it was fine, but nothing to write home about. Uh, but you did see the Joey Janela-Kenny Omega uh, lights out match, which they did set up at the beginning of the, the episode. Uh, they did set up this thing where I guess the idea behind it is like Kenny Omega wants to prove to himself that, you know, he can meet Moxley on his level of, you know, match his, his type of violence, that sort of thing. So, you know, Moxley's already had a lights out match with Joey Janela, so that's what Omega wanted. And uh, so, yeah, they were the main event. They killed each other in this match. Uh, just all sorts of ridiculous bumps and, uh, you know, your, your typical, I, I like to call it Joey Janela silliness. Only somebody who is as insane as Janela is would be like, sure, let's let's do that. That sounds like fun. Uh, <laughs> there was a lot of that. Uh, the biggest thing probably, I thought, was the one-winged angel onto an open chair, and this chair had Holy no shit. give to it. Uh, that was awful. Uh, Kenny Omega won the match. I'm curious as to what you thought, because uh, there was a lot of hype surrounding it, and I thought that it was a really good match, but I thought the for me, the crowd was not into this as much as I thought the crowd would have been into it. Based off of what I heard people, like, talking about it, like, it sounded like it was, like, the best match that AEW's ever had. Like, it, it lit the house on fire. And the crowd was definitely into this more than any of the other dark matches, but uh, I... I like, this was uh, filmed on the Boston show, right, for week two. And I don't think yeah. the crowd even approached the level of the Young Bucks private party match. Um, I thought the match was really good, but I don't think it was the best match in AEW history. But I thought it was a really good match, which, uh, like, so good, like, it probably shouldn't have been a dark match on YouTube. But uh, I thought it was really good, but I I didn't think it was quite at that level. What, what did you think of the the Omega a Janela match. Well, I'll, I'll tell you right off the bat, to me, this is kind of like a 
match because you know me, I'm big on GCW and Joey Janela. Yeah. Of course, yeah. who doesn't love Ken here right now? Sure. So I was really excited for this. I actually had a friend that went to the show live and making it out to be a big deal saying this is a pay-per-view quality match and they just did it on the dark show. I was a little bit puzzled as to why it wasn't on television because, yes. well, I guess if you want to build up dark, you got to put something big on there and this is definitely big. Um, I agree with you. I think the crowd kind of took me out of it a little bit because I, I mean, it was awesome. I mean, there were so many cool spots. I love that Joey Janela worked in an Eddie Guerrero tribute with the frog splash <laughs> off the ladder. Yes. <laughs> And I love that um, uh, Omega threw some some homages to Ambrose, and they're doing the Ambrose clothesline and uh, hitting yes. him with his finisher. Yes. yes. So there was cool stuff in there. Yes. But it wasn't what I expected. It wasn't the big match I thought it was going to be. It was still good. It yeah, it was. I thought it was. Everyone said. Like, I, I think I when I went to grapple, I gave it a three and a half. Um, I thought it was really good, but I think... You know, if you put a much hotter crowd behind all of that, like I think it elevates it higher. Like a, it's crazy what a crowd can do. We, I, I talked about it when, uh, we talked about the the Riho match where she won the championship. Like it wasn't, you know, it was a fine match, but the crowd was so hot for it near the end that it elevated. You know, it it has a way of inflating. Now if people want to try to like autocorrect for that to be like, well, you can't account for the crowd. Although I think in pro wrestling, I think you should account for the crowd. Like they're part of the experience. So, you know, I know, uh, I know moments in real sports are far more memorable to me because of not just what happened, but how everybody reacted to it. Um, you know, that's like a big part of the actual moment. So, yeah, I think uh, crowd participation plays a big part, and especially just speaking for me, it plays a really big part in, um, you know, in scores. Like I've seen matches that I know are good, but the crowd is just exhausted, and you know, at the end of it, I just, you know, that it colors it for me. Like it just, the match doesn't feel as good as I know that I, like inside, I know it's really good, but the response makes it feel like it's not as good as I thought it was. And it has a, has a way of coloring things. Um, but like overall, like, I think that's a really good match. I think that could have been on a pay-per-view for sure. Uh, and it was nuts that they put it on a dark match YouTube show, but good way to get eyes. Yeah, definitely. It got me watching. I mean, I wasn't really going to watch dark this week until I heard about this. And I think I gave quarter stars. So I really enjoyed it. I just, it yeah. could have been so much more if that crowd was into it. Damn that crowd for being tired. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> they should have filmed it first. It should have been the opening dark match instead of the three-way. Because um, that seems what they do. It looks like they film one dark match before the show, and then they do, like, three after the show. And by the it's way, uh, for this week's AEW Dark, they have Taz as a guest commentator for the dark <laughs> matches. That's awesome. <laughs> Apparently, Who's he, he replacing. Uh, I think it's just Jim Ross. Jim Ross and Excalibur usually do it. So okay. it's I think it's Excalibur and Taz. So what a team! Hell, <laughs> uh, crazy. Uh, so let's talk about AEW Dynamite episode three. This is the third battle in the the Wednesday Night Wars. This is the 
the opening shot of week number three. And uh, let's talk about uh, what happened. So show opens right away with tag team tournament action. It's supposed to be SCU and best friends, but it never gets started because the Lucha Brothers attack SCU. Uh, Pentagon gives Christopher Daniels a package pile driver on the ramp. Uh, and before the same can be done to Frankie Kazarian, Scorpio Sky runs out to uh, scare off uh, the Lucha Brothers. And Scorpio says that he wants to tag with Frankie, so he's in there wrestling in his shoes and his, his ripped jeans. Uh, and it's Frankie and Scorpio against Best Friends. So once Best Friends get down there, uh, they take it to a rattled SCU for quite a while. Uh, double team from the Best Friends. They had a super duper plex on Frankie Kazarian for near fall. Scorpio Sky finally gets a hot tag. Uh, and there's like a big dive sequence. Scorpio Sky's shoe gets over real big in this match, Nick. I don't know if you noticed, but he... He lost oh, yeah. his shoe at some point because Sexy Chucky T pulled it off uh, and threw it away. And the crowd loved chanting about how Scorpio only had one shoe on. And then at some point he lost the other shoe. And the crowd cheered with that. Uh, threw it into the crowd, in fact. And I think somebody threw it back into the ring. Uh, <coughs> and then the referee had moved the shoe out of the way. And then everybody hated that. So, Ooh. Uh there was an assisted DDT double team by SCU on Trent for near fall. Uh, I write here, best friends hug. Uh, you know, it's a spot, right? So hug maker. Oh yeah. Uh, doomsday, sexy, Chucky knee for a near fall. Trent gets backdropped on the ring apron. Uh, and then they go to hit their finisher. Like they do this power bomb lung blower thing. And I don't know what happened here, Nick, but it got, screwed up real bad and looked really awful. Well, I mean, it mostly, uh, like, Trent got, I think it was Trent. I can't remember if it was Trent or Chuck. But whoever it was taking the powerbomb got powerbombed. It was just Scorpio Sky came in and looked like he did the weirdest-looking drop kick to their shoulder. Uh, it like just pops in at the last second. Yeah, it looked really bad. And they pinned him and still won. So... SCU uh, advances to face Dark Order in the next round, who, of course, got a bye. And uh, I note here that during the replays, they replayed the botch. Don't do that, guys. Just do what they did in WCW, show all the coolest clips, and then if this ending was screwed up, just cut to a slow motion shot of them getting their arms raised. Uh, <laughs> what did you think of the uh, the opener? I thought it was pretty good. Me too. Um, Overall, that uh, botch at the end was weird. I said the same thing. I'm like, what was that? What is he doing? Super um, weird. I love that. Very weird. I like that also Chuck bit on Scorpio's foot during the match. Oh, yeah. Because you always see Pete Dunn do that with breaking the fingers or something like that. I just thought it was mm -hmm. way about going about it. But, yeah, I, I like good That's a great way to start off. Yeah. Uh, and SCU advancing, I think, is probably the right call. Um, after tonight, I'm pretty sure I know what I, well, I mean, look, they may surprise me, but I'm pretty sure I know what the finals are and I'm pretty sure I know who's winning. But, uh, before we talk about any of that stuff, what did you give the opener, Nick? I gave it three and a quarter. Okay. So we're pretty close on this one. I gave it a three and the lovely people over at the grapple app. Uh, in aggregate, gave it a 3.15. So, yeah, we're kind of in the uh, the ballpark for that one. 
Uh, up next, uh, we got like a picture-in-picture break where we saw uh, Santana and Ortiz come out to the ring like Goldberg style from like the locker rooms. Uh, funny thing, because uh, I, I had to seek this out because people were talking about something funny that happened in this moment. Um, and it was on the Fight TV. We talked about it before. If you're uh, not in the United States or Canada, uh, you can watch the show on Fight TV live. You get a live feed, but they don't have commercial breaks, right? And, uh, you know, Jim Ross is not a spring chicken anymore, Nick. I'm sure you're aware of this. Uh, he is not the, the youthful man he once was. And he forgot that the show continues live for people who are on watching it on fight TV. Right. Uh, and Excalibur is saying like, you know, he's talking about, he's like, you know, Santana and Ortiz, you know, they're, you know, they're getting ready for this tag team match. They're coming out to the ring. Jim Ross is like, they're in the inner circle. Remember, we got to say inner circle. We got to put that over. (laughs) And then, Yes, and then there's an awkward silence, and then Jim Ross is like, oh, sorry. And Excalibur's like, we'd like to say hi to everybody watching on Fight TV. (laughs) Oh, man. He's like, oh, you got a little bit of behind the scenes there. Got to remember to put that inner circle over. That's uh, the the new name. Got to put that over. Oh, JR, you... (laughs) Never change. Uh, During the break... Uh, the Beaver Boys, Alex Reynolds and John Silver came out. Uh, I mostly am aware of them from Beyond Wrestling, but uh, they came out here to face Santana and Ortiz. Probably guys that Santana and Ortiz know very, very well. Uh, unfortunately, this was not like a chance for Reynolds and Silver to shine. This was, in fact, history, Nick, as it was AEW's first ever squash match. Uh, Santana and Ortiz smash them uh, and hit them with a street sweeper and win. Uh, I don't know if it's worth giving a star rating to. I always, like, if look, if there's a beginning bell and an end bell, it's a match, and I'm going to rate it. I don't, know, I don't know if there's really much you can say about this, Nick. I gave it one and a half uh, because everything they did looked good. But... Uh. I mean, they would tell you it was the best, the best, the best. <laughs> oh yeah, um, they are the they are the best, the best, the best, the best. <laughs> um, but I truthfully didn't give it a rating, but I throw it right around. It's nice for LAX to show off that yeah. the badasses. Uh, <laughs> they got to hype up uh, the upcoming match. On aggregate, Grapple gave it one point seven nine. So I'm I'm surprised they came close to giving it. Two, I, I disagree, but okay. Um, Jericho, speaking of the best, the best, the best, Jericho then appears on the video screen, puts them over. While Jericho is putting over Santana and Ortiz, Ortiz is constantly screaming, the best, the best, the best. Uh, <laughs> and they did not at any point lower his volume. So nope. you've got Jericho talking and you've got like Ortiz just shouting the best, like a lot. <laughs> Over and over again. Uh, And Jericho issues a challenge on behalf of Santana and Ortiz uh, to the Young Bucks to face them at full gear. So a new match uh, appears, uh, or at least it appears will be added 
for the pay-per-view. That's going to be pretty damn good. Hell yeah, I'm excited to see that. That's what I've been waiting for ever since All Out. So, just making this pay-per-view more. Uh, speaking of pay-per-view stuff, uh, next we got a, what I thought was a really great Cody video package hyping the Full Gear main event. Um, if you've ever watched any of the Road 2 YouTube episodes they've done prior to AEW getting TV, this is the way they primarily built their uh, pay-per-view uh, events. And they always look so sharp and good, and like the way that they tell the story, just it, it's real... It's different than how WWE does. It doesn't feel as like manufactured. Like there's... It, it feels a little more loose... Uh, and the way that it's presented, it's got a bit more of a sporting atmosphere feel to it. Uh, like they had sit downs from DDP and Brandy and MJF and, uh, you know, Cody's mom talking about how it's, uh, tough. Uh, it'll be tough for him to, you know, try to get out of the shadow that his father created. Uh, you know, you've got Jim Ross talking about how Chris Jericho's, only has to focus on Cody and defending his title and Cody's got his match to worry about, but because he's an executive, he has all of these other duties. He's got a lot more on his plate on that show than, than Jericho is going to have on his plate. Um, you know, Brandy's talking about like how he's, you know, this match is so huge that, you know, he's getting into like focus mode. Like we're going to lose him for a few weeks. Like he's just going to disappear into his work. Uh, I just thought this was excellent. Like, this is how you sell the importance of a match and a championship. Like, I'll be damned. I, prior to AEW, like, I liked Cody enough, but I wasn't a, I wasn't big on him. And if I would have told myself in a couple of months, they're going to set up a Cody-Chris Jericho match, and you're going to be really excited to see it play out, I don't think I would have believed myself, but they're doing an excellent job of setting all of this up and making it seem important. Uh, like, I, I think this is very well built so far. I'm really excited to see what happens. And that's the magic of pro wrestling, sometimes making you get excited for something you didn't think you'd be excited for. I thought this video package was excellent, and this is, to me, uh, if you're going to do stuff like this, uh, if you're going to take away from like the in-ring uh, to tell stories in a different medium, like this is how you do it. I thought this was perfect. I loved it. I don't know if you have the in-depth thoughts that I had, but I, I really liked it. Oh, I liked it a lot too. And, and I, I'll agree with you. Um, I think Cody has been such a big overachiever ever since AEW started. Like, He'll consistently have matches that I'm like, eh. But then after the match happens, I go, damn, that may have been the best thing in the card tonight. Yeah, I mean, so, I remember very vividly being like, Stardust versus Goldust. Like, they're going to do yeah. that? Like, all right, well, you know, I mean, it won't be a bad match, but let's see what happens. Then I walked away, and I'm like, oh, my God, it was incredible. So <laughs> it's, you know, uh, it's really amazing and what can happen sometimes when you're unrestrained. And that's something I was really excited for back in WWE was to see those two feud with each other. So when it got to AEW, I was kind of like, eh, who cares? 
But, yeah, this was a great promo. I love they showed Cody just kind of, like, checking out while Brandy was talking to him, just obviously showing his level of focus. I love that we got kind of like a Cody montage, very Rocky style. It's it's getting me really excited for this. Um, yeah. Good job, AEW. Who's ever doing the uh, editing? Yeah, I thought a, a great video package. Um, up next... Riho defending the AEW Women's Championship against Dr. Britt Baker. Uh, pretty good reaction for Britt, who's not quite in her hometown, but she's in her home state. And a pretty big reaction for Riho. And I'll admit, like, they've, and especially by the end of this match, again, I don't quite get why she's as popular as she is. Like, I think she's good, but... Like, I look at somebody like Kyrie Sane or Asuka in WWE, and they're, like, magnitudes of levels better than Riho is, both in the ring and with charisma and character and personality. And to see them, like, go out there and get barely any reaction, and to see Riho come out here, who's not as talented as those other performers... And she gets big reactions, and people get really behind her. They just need to run with her. Like, I don't quite get it. Like, I'm not seeing everything that the crowd is seeing, but the crowd is clearly seeing something. Like, every time she comes out there, the crowd is way into her. So, they should keep doing what they're doing. Uh, Match starts out with them trading some arm drags, and then some escapes, and then they got lost for a little bit. uh, And it did not look good. Uh, however, the crowd, again, I think, to Riho's credit, they seemed forgiving. They This did not kill the match for them. Uh, match goes back and forth. Uh, I, I, I wrote down here that it goes back and forth between being okay and sloppy. But again, the crowd is like, they're not letting this die. Uh, if They finally seem to click together when Britt hits a swinging neckbreaker and a superkick for a very close nearfall. Like a really close near fall. Uh, I write here, crowd really likes Riho. Uh, double stomp off the top rope to Britt's back for a two. Uh, ending comes when Britt gets a, connects with a ripcord elbow, hits the page turner, and then tries to put on the lockjaw, but Rio is fighting it, like keeping her mouth closed, and Britt's trying to, expending energy, trying to force it open, and when doing so... Uh, this allows Riho to find an opening and counter her into a pin, and she got the win. Afterwards, there was post-match respect, even though Britt was devastated to not win here, and Riho was very happy to win here. Uh, what did you think of the match, Nick? Uh, it definitely had its cool spots. Um, there was a sweet counter that Riho did from the ripcord into the Northern Lights. I thought that was really cool. Yes. I like the name The Lockjaw for her mandible claw. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I do agree. There was definitely some really good parts of this match uh, that I was not as crazy about. I actually made a note in the match I noticed in the crowd that there was somebody was holding up a Ted Turner head. Oh yeah, somebody really had like funny. a Ted Turner fad in the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty so, funny. Um, I don't think we'll be calling this a historic first title defense, but I agree with you. Rio's crazy over. I, I like her too. I actually think she may be the more talented one in the ring over Britt Baker. Oh, I think and, so as well. And, yeah. And she's got experience on her, which 
again is weird, but she has more experience than Britt Baker does uh, oh, yeah. in the ring. Um, what would you give this match? Uh, I thought the crowd saved it. They did, but I still ended up giving it uh, two and a half. Two and a half. Okay, so I, I'm really close to you. I went two and three quarters. Uh, grapple is slightly above us with a 2.84, but, you know, in the ballpark, they didn't quite reach a three, but, you know, I again, I think the crowd completely saved this match. Like, I think it would have been... I would, if this was like a... If this match happened on Raw... This would this would get like a star and a half or maybe two if they were lucky in front of a crowd that just doesn't care. Uh, but this crowd was into it and they were invested in who won. Like the thing that I thought was interesting was that some of the stuff, uh, like maybe it's just me, but I thought for sure when Britt hits her, she connects with the ripcord elbow. Because uh, she's been doing this in the matches she's been winning. She hits the ripcord, she hits the, the ripcord elbow, she hits the page turner, and then she puts on the lockjaw in succession. Uh, it's like her five moves of doom. Uh, and I feel like the crowd responded to this. Like, when she connected with the ripcord elbow, like, there was like a, you know, not like a big buzz, but like a slight buzz. Like, there were enough people in that building that knew, like, like we're approaching the end of this. Like she's gonna put her away, uh, but she didn't Rio countered and, and retained, which is a smart move, I think. I don't know who they go to next uh, to challenge her at the pay per view, but uh, you know, an okay first defense that was made much better by a crowd that was really invested in who won. Um, another tag team tournament match: uh, Los Lucha Brothers against the Jurassic Express. Uh, unfortunately, prior to the show, Luchasaurus suffered a hamstring injury and couldn't compete. Luckily, they are a trio. Uh, so instead of Luchasaurus, you got Marco Stunt. So you got, instead of a big, huge monster guy, you got the smallest guy. Uh, but you know what? I feel like they really made this work. Uh, the match opens with Jurassic Express going crazy with some cool double teams. Uh, then Ray Phoenix comes in. He goes nuts, hitting all sorts of crazy moves. Uh, Marco kicks out of the Pentagon driver, uh, and that leads into the picture-in-picture break. During the break, <laughs> Pentagon Jr. does a one-handed gorilla press on Marco. <laughs> He's just holding him above his head with one hand, and then throws him at Phoenix, who gives him a super kick. It was pretty great. Uh oh, yeah. We come back, uh, and uh, Marco makes his comeback, and that leads to a hot tag. Uh, Jurassic Express hits like a, a variety of combo moves, uh, ending in a not quite the prettiest shooting star press I've ever seen from Jungle Boy for a near fall. Uh, Pentagon hits Jungle Boy with a Mexican Destroyer, and they get Marco and the uh, package pile driver double stomp combo for the win. And the Lucha Brothers advance to the semifinals to face Private Party next week. Uh, what did you think of the final first round match in the tag tournament? I was big on this match. I actually, you know, I think it's going to end up being a good thing that Luchasaurus wasn't here to take a loss. Like, mm-hmm. it's unfortunate that he wasn't in the match, but he's so over that I honestly don't want to see him losing already. I'm saying. Yes. I, I think 
I, and I think this was actually more of a showcase for Marco. Like, I think he won some people over because I liked it a bit. I thought it was sweet that um, I, I want to say Pentagon was rocking some Halloween gear because it almost looked like he had Freddy Krueger claws across his yes mask. The mask, <laughs> the mask had like scratches and blood on them. I thought that was awesome. Oh yeah, and and that that one-handed press into the stick was definitely a <laughs> highlight of the match. So silly. I, I thought that was great. Um, yeah, Lucha, um, I, I feel like to me it seems like a pretty obvious Lucha Brothers SCU finals. Um, especially since these two teams have kind of been at each other since the first episode when SCU did that promo and Lucha Brothers came out on the ramp and you know spit in their face and they started brawling and here they you know jumped SCU before their match. It feels like they're definitely setting up for Lucha Brothers and uh, SCU in the finals. Uh, if it were me, I'd put the belts on Lucha Brothers. I think they're the the more exciting team. And like, if to me, if you're not going to put them on the Young Bucks, I think you should probably put them on Lucha Brothers. Um, like they're the they're you know marketable. They're really popular. They're like an insanely good team. Uh, and I like SCU, but you know, they're if you're going to put it on a good, if you're going to put on like a babyface team, you know, I would want you to put them on the strongest babyface team, and that's Young Bucks, and they're out of the tournament. So uh, I feel like SCU can be built, but I think it. I think the smart move is on Lucha Brothers. Um, do you have any any thoughts on how the tournament might play out going forward? And also. Uh, Importantly, uh, what did you give the Jurassic Express Lucha Brothers match? I think you're putting the nail on the head with how this go. Um, before, I, if it wasn't for the start of the show, I think I would have originally said somehow the Dark Order were going to work their way in there because why else get by? Yeah. Um, I I figured that maybe um, they would fight Private Party and Private Party would overcome them, mm-hmm. but they've barely been on TV, so I think it definitely makes more sense for the Bros to get the. Yeah, they're a great tag team. It's believable that they would be the first. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as a rating goes, I give this three and a half stars. Okay, yeah, we're really close again on this one. Uh, I went three and a quarter, so I'm just a quarter behind you. And uh, Grapple, in following the quarter behind each other thing, is about a quarter behind me with a three point one four. So we're in the. We're in that three ballpark, but I think they're a little bit further away from uh, from you than than me on that one. Um, this is kind of a it's kind of a three star week, isn't it? <laughs> oh, kinda. Uh, well, not for me. Up next, this this was my match of the show. Next, but uh, Pac and John Moxley against Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. Uh, I note here that Moxley came out of the heel entrance this week. Uh, up until this point, he'd been coming out of the right side entrance, which I presume is the good guy entrance. But this week he came out of the bad guy entrance. So I'm not sure what that means. Uh, but he did. Uh, we also got a Moxley inset promo uh, saying that it was way too early for everyone to write him off. It's time for him to establish himself on top. There is chaos at the bell. Uh, Moxley and Omega are trading blows in the ring. Uh, Pack and Hangman are fighting on the outside. Eventually, they uh, they take control over Omega. 
uh, and Omega gets worked over for a little while. Uh, Paige finally gets in, makes a comeback, uh, but that gets cut off pretty quick when uh, Moxley pushes Paige off the top rope onto the apron, which does not look fun. That's a that's a Oni Lorcan Biff Busick bump. I've seen him do quite a few times. That looks awful. Like every time I see it, that doesn't look like fun at all. And that's a uh, leads us into a picture in picture break. Uh, during the picture-in-picture, Pac does like a Fosbury flop to the outside. That is the only thing of note, but it was a, a good-looking dive. Uh, I should note, like, I thought Pac uh, looked back to his old self in this match, and I thought Omega really had a spark in this match. Uh, like, things were just really clicking with these two teams. Back from the break, the heels are still in control. Omega gets the hot tag. He snapdragons everybody. Uh, does the Rise of the Terminator dive, uh, Tope Suicida from Moxley, Big Moonsault to the outside from Page. Uh, then there's a, a great double-team sequence between Omega and uh, Page on uh, on Pac, just going back and forth, hitting each other's like signature moves uh, on Pac, and that's uh, broken up by Moxley. Pac gets a slingshot cutter on Omega, a huge suicide dive, uh, by Adam Page onto Pac on the outside. Uh, then Moxley and Omega face off in the ring, and they have this great striking back and forth. Uh, and then once they finally downed each other, uh, they kill each other and then roll to the floor. And then from opposite sides of the ring, Moxley pulls out the barbed wire bat, the cleaner pulls out his barbed wire broom, and they get back into the ring about to throw down when Pac gets in grabs their weapons and throws them out. And he's like yelling at Moxley. He's like, what are you doing? Like, we're going to get, you know, the match is going to get thrown out or whatever. Like you're nuts. Like stop this. Uh, Moxley transforms into stone cold. Steve Austin gives him a double bird, uh, then gives pack the, uh, the paradigm shift and he just leaves him for dead. Uh, Pac barely gets back up to his feet only to get hit with the buckshot lariat, a V trigger and a dead eye as the good guys win the match. What, what did you think of this uh, this tag team bout, Nick? This got me really excited for future match. And I was so happy that he finally got a pin. It seems like he's been on a bit of a loop. Um, I thought it was very clever to have Mox like, Pac, I want to do what I want to do. I don't give a shit about this tag team stuff. Yeah. Um and and it set up a big matchup that we're going to be very excited for weeks so mm-hmm. all in all well done. Yeah, I thought this really set up uh Moxley and Omega. It gave you a good preview without giving away everything. Uh I think getting this pin, uh the first time Pac's been pinned in AEW, the first time he's been pinned anywhere in 2 years by Hangman Page. Now of course he hasn't been pinned in a singles match. And he does have the excuse that his partner turned on him uh, and hit him with his finisher. Uh, so he's protected in that regard. But I love this. Like I, We're not going to talk about WWE too much on here, but this is a stark difference that I think is important to point out. Uh, usually when you have a match like this, you're like, well, neither of these, none of these guys could really afford a loss. Like You could make the argument that maybe Hangman could take the loss. Um, you know, if you're shuffling him backwards a little bit. Um, and then you do this in W, you see this in WWE a lot where they make these matches where they've booked themselves into a corner and you've got to do some sort of 
screwy finish uh, in order to try to protect everybody. But they did not do that here. They put all of these guys into a match, and there was a winner and a loser. And it was clear who it was. Uh, And I think that's refreshing. Like, fans are going to tune in, and they're going to know, by and large, for the most part, you're not going to get screwy finishes. You'll see a winner and a loser. And it'll usually be very definitive. Um, what what would you give the uh, the tag match? I think I'm I'm a little more bullish on it than most. I know by looking at the grapple score that I liked it a bit more than grapple did, but I'm curious to know what you gave it. Well, I I, I gotta say again, I just I there's something so wonderful about Paige and Omega getting a victory on the guy that has been both of them recently. Mm-hmm. Just a good feel good moment for television. I gave this three and three quarters. Okay, so. Like I said, a little more bullish than you. I thought this was my favorite match of the show. I went four and a quarter. I broke the three-star scale for this uh, episode. I thought this was... This is probably my second favorite AEW TV match behind the the Young Bucks Private Party match, I want to say. I really enjoyed this one. Grapple went 3.84, so they were a little bit closer to you. Um, they're a little bit in between both of us here, but, uh, yeah, I thought this was just excellent. I really enjoyed it. Uh, next, the announced team runs down the matches for next week. Uh, they announced the, you know, the, the two semifinal tag team tournament matches. Uh, they note that, uh, Britt Baker will be in action because she's in her hometown, uh, and the Young Bucks will be in action. Uh, and they announce that, uh, it has just been signed that, John Moxley will take on Pack next week. So that makes perfect sense based off of what we just saw. So seems good. And again, you're in a situation, though, where one of these guys is going to have to lose, I would imagine. I mean, maybe they do. Unless maybe they do like their a run in or something. Yeah, maybe they do their first screwy finish here. Um, but I think for the most part, there's a good chance that there's just going to be a winner and a loser. Uh, but we'll see what happens. Um, that takes us into the final match of the evening, a Philadelphia street fight for the AEW World Championship. Chris Jericho defending against Darby Allen Again, uh, I said it last week, I'll say it again here. A sentence I didn't think I would be saying when 2019 <laughs> started, but here we are. Um, Darby is aggressive very early on. Excalibur notes uh, in the commentary that rope breaks are still in effect. So my understanding of the street fight here is that weapons are legal. You can use them in the match and they will not cause a disqualification. But as far as submissions go, rope breaks are still in play. So if you're put into submission, you can still use the ropes as an escape. Um, Now, I don't really know how... So to me, maybe they should just make it more clear. Because... Like, weapons are legal. So that's obvious. Weapons are legal. But if Jericho were to keep holding on to the hold while Darby's in the ropes, he he could be disqualified for that. So it doesn't sound like it's necessarily a no-disqualification match. I think they should probably go out of their way, especially based off how the crowd reacted here, to maybe specify a little bit further like what they mean when they say a street fight. Is a street fight different than an ODQ match? Um, you know, in WWE, they say whatever it is, extreme rules, and then they'll say a street fight, and then they'll, you know, say no holds barred, and it's all the same match. Uh, 
but I think they might actually have different rule sets here, but if they do, they didn't make them obvious. Except for the fact that, of course, I noted that Excalibur said that rope breaks are still in effect in this match, and he went out of his way to note it. Uh, and a good thing, too, because they played a factor in this match. Maybe this is the difference between this and a match where it's craziness and they enforce Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But, yeah, that's probably what... Uh, Jericho takes control of the match, violently tosses Darby out of the ring going into the break. No picture-in-picture. We come back from the break, and Jericho is still working over Darby, but he now has a kendo stick in hand. Uh, Darby comes back with kendo shots, uh, and of course, in the unpredictable manner in which Darby Allen wrestles, he's hitting Jericho with the other end of the stick. So, uh, that was crazy. Uh, he was hitting with, like, the handle part, which is, like, all nice and thick and taped up and has no give to it. Um, <laughs> let me see here. Uh, he gets, uh, Chris Jericho gets Darby in the walls and he gets to the ropes. And it was at this point that I noted crowd must not have gotten the note about the rope breaks, uh, code breaker, <laughs> but Darby Allen gets to the ropes again, uh, to break up the pin. Uh, Jericho tried to lawn dart, dar- uh, Darby into a chair wedged in the corner, but, Uh, Darby counters with a stunner, which didn't look particularly good. I think uh, Jericho might be to blame on that one. Uh, He gets Darby into the walls again, but again, Darby gets into the ropes. Again, I note here, crowd doesn't know the rules as they are chanting about this match being a street fight. Uh, (laughs) It didn't matter because the match really picks up when Jericho goes uh, under the ring to get some duct tape and he tapes Darby's hands behind his back which leads to Darby Allen making an incredible no-hands comeback. Like, Darby's doing springboard quebradas onto Jericho with his hands taped behind his back. He does a tope suicida con hilo on Jericho with his hands tied behind his back. He does. He climbs to the top rope somehow and does this, like, like missile headbutt thing to Jericho off the top rope. For a near fall with his hands tied or, you know, taped behind his back, uh, Jericho finally cuts him off, gives Darby Allen a tiger driver onto Darby's skateboard. Uh, Darby ducks a chair shot, hits Jericho with a drop kick. He goes up once more. Again, this is all with his hands duct taped behind his back. They never become untaped. Uh, Darby goes up to try to do the coffin drop when Jake Hager comes in, wails on Darby Allen. Uh, and Darby falls back into the ring. Jericho puts him into the walls one more time, and Darby has no choice but to submit. Jericho wins. He retains the championship. The inner circle come out. The rest of the crew come out with bubbly, and they celebrate as the show goes off the air. What did you think of the main event? You know, going into this, I knew that this was just a title defense for Jericho to get another win under his belt, but Darby was making believe at the end. Like, Mm-hmm. Man. Just oh, the way this was, was supposed to be. Him. Yeah, I think this was largely supposed to be another star-making performance for Darby, like a uh, looking good in, uh, looking good in defeat. Whereas in like the Cody match, it was like looking good in you know not victory, but also not defeat. But um, it, it's clear that they see something in him, and they can't shoot him to the top right now. But they do want to build his credibility. 
And he's impressive. Like I've seen him wrestle Walter before in front of a live crowd. And Mm -hmm. that was the first time I ever saw him wrestle. And he just impressed me right away. And even from, you know, Jericho bringing out the pain maker, wearing his juggalo makeup. uh... (laughs) Juggalo Jericho. (laughs) Hell yeah. And Darby wearing the sweet uh, face paint and body paint that was saying champ all over. Like you could tell that he took this very seriously. He even had world champ written on the skateboard. Like, he was all in on this match. I think he's going to be a strong candidate for when they eventually a mid-tier title. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this, and I love that Jericho had a bubbly bath at the end of the show. That was a perfect way to to show the win. I like that we had Jake Hager getting involved to help Jericho get the yeah. win, really building up the inner circle and getting it over, as JR would say. Uh, awesome. By the way, I all the credit to you in the world for coming up with not only Juggalo Jericho, but bubbly bath. Uh, both of those are tremendous. And now I can't like stop thinking about how much I love the idea of Juggalo Jericho, like the Ayatollah of rock and rye, uh, you know, just shit like that. Like I'm trying to think of some way to like, you know, like the walls of Fago or something like we've got to have the walls of walls of whoop, whoop, (laughs) the walls of whoop, whoop, fuck this shit. Um, but yeah, I, I really like this. I think, um, like, Darby Allen is not getting over in, like, the traditional way. Like, he's not the traditional, like, I mean, he does draw a sympathetic babyface, like, response because he's smaller. But he's, to me, he's more like Sabu. Like, you don't look at him and you don't picture Sabu, but, like, the way he performed, like, the thing about Sabu for me always was... Um, and I guess this is the difference because I usually actually expect a good match out of Darby Allen. You never knew if you were going to get a good match out of Sabu. But the thing about Sabu that was cool to me about him was that he seemed so unpredictable. Like, you had no idea what, what he was going to do. And maybe that's partly because he had no idea what he was going to do. Uh, or maybe <laughs> or maybe he did. There's this, um, I don't know if you've ever heard this story that Lance Storm tells about how... Sabu and Lance Storm planned a botch in their match just so the crowd would chant, you fucked up, but Sabu would have the internal pleasure of knowing that they fooled the fans, that (laughs) they didn't fuck up. I mean, they fucked up on purpose, and therefore they didn't fuck up. They did what they want. They did what they intended to do. Uh, like, so maybe he does, maybe he always knew exactly what he was doing and he's, he's more of a genius than I give him credit for. But like, I get that same vibe from Darby Allen. It's like, I'm never quite sure exactly what he's going to do. Um, even though he hits, you know, he's got his moves that he does do in pretty much every match. I'm never quite certain when they're going to come. And every now and again, he'll just do something where you're like, I did not see that coming. Like, when he was doing all of these dives and flips and, like, climbing to the top rope with his hands taped behind his back and hitting all of these things. Like, he didn't screw up any of it. No. Um, And by the way, there is a, just a gross, disgusting clothesline that Jericho hits on Darby with his hands taped behind his back because you can't, Darby can't just fall backwards and take a straight bump with his arms like that because it'll kill his arms. 
So he just kind of full bruntly takes this clothesline and it looks like Jericho snaps him in half and he just folds to the ground. Uh, it was disgusting, but I, I liked it. Um, it was, di- this match was different. I really enjoyed it. I thought it got, um, it's point across it. Um, you know, uh, it showed Jericho's got this vicious side. He's got his first defense under his belt and Darby Allen came away from this looking like more of a star than he did when he came into it. So I think a, a win across the board. Uh, any any other thoughts on the main event, and what would you give it? Just solid stuff, and they're really building up this title. I, I would say that this was a great first title defense as opposed to the women's match, which mm-hmm. um, was a bid on the rocks. So good for Jericho, good for Darby. I'm excited to see where both of them go next. Mm-hmm. Um, for this match, I gave this one three and three quarters. Yeah, I gave this three and three quarters as well. Uh, really good match. Um, grapple a little bit behind us, but in the ballpark with 3.56. Um, so I would say they are three for three in TV shows so far. Um, and so far they've won the ratings battle every week. Um, I'm not going to specifically talk about the ratings, Right now, because as you know, we talk about that on the our our sister show on the other side of this conflict. Uh, what comes what comes next? Uh, that's usually where we, where we uh, you know because that uh, gets released a little bit later in the week. So that's usually when we talk about um, the ratings. The ratings are out now. Uh, I will just say this: uh, if this pattern continues, like if we get to like week five, week six. Uh, and this pattern continues, I'm just going to quietly stop talking about who wins the ratings every week. Because <laughs> I think after five or six weeks, it stops being a war. Uh, and there are just two shows that exist on the same night. Because uh, one show is holding steady for the most part, and the other show is not holding as steady. So, not for lack of trying. Uh, I think... Uh, even though I thought AEW had the much better show last week, I have not seen this week's NXT yet, but, um, you know, I think every show that they've had so far has been, you know, there hasn't been like a bad or an awful NXT. Like, they've all been good shows. So you can't really miss, no matter what you're watching on Wednesday nights, in terms of, like, good quality. Um, but, yeah, I I think I'm just going to leave it there before... Uh, I accidentally spoil things for uh, the what comes uh, the what comes next podcast. So, good choice. Yeah, that's where we're <laughs> going to leave things off for this week. Uh, let's thank the good people over at Think Geek for sponsoring this week's episode. Cinemageekly.com slash Think Geek. Uh, head on over there to pick up some geeky attire and collectibles. That's at Cinemageekly.com slash Think Geek. Or you can click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. Uh, of course, while you're over at cinemageekly.com, you can check out the archives of the show, and you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just search for The Elitists. Hit subscribe, and that way you can hear us come back next week, talk about more AEW Dynamite on TNT, featuring what I believe the main event will be uh, John Moxley taking on the bastard, Pack. <laughs>